Saint Francis of Assisi once said, O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Welcome to the 50th episode of Saint Dimpna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because we need to remember that it is in giving that we receive. It's in consoling that we ourselves are consoled. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, an expected but still difficult to hear about consequence of the COVID pandemic is starting to pop up. Colorado, as one example, is reporting an increase in mental health crises in a pattern that is most likely true across the country. According to Frontline from PBS, UC Health Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs saw a decline in behavioral health patients in the final weeks of March and the beginning of April during the stay-at-home orders. In the second half of April, patient volume began to increase, and now July patient numbers approach the regular traffic the emergency room saw before the pandemic, but the patients tend to be more acutely in crisis than before. We've been seeing much of the same here in California, and I think the main cause of this situation is that we are all functioning with a higher level of stress and anxiety than before. We may not notice it anymore because we've been in it for so long now, but our baseline anxiety has gone up. And this constantly slightly higher anxiety baseline has started to wear down our frustration tolerance and our ability to cope with emotional distress, and even our ability to stay in touch with reality in some cases. A quote from a member of the team evaluating the data in Colorado really struck me. Quote, probably the biggest thing that we've noticed is people who have never had the issue before, who never had suicidal thoughts or these kinds of stressors, those are the people we're seeing now. This pandemic has truly brought mental health to the forefront as many of us uh, are just like the people mentioned in that quote above. Individuals who haven't really experienced a mental health crisis in the past, but now find ourselves struggling and kind of on the brink of wondering what to do. Remember, there are a few simple techniques that we can try at home to work to push that baseline back down to pre-COVID levels. Really practice taking time to pause, breathe, pray, meditate, Pay attention to how we feel without judgment or needing to respond, just taking note of how we're feeling. Next, remember to take breaks from upsetting content. Social media really works against us if we're trying to work on our anxiety, and we need to pay attention to the impact it's having on us and take a break when needed. Taking care of our body is difficult to maintain, but essential coping skill here. Trying to eat better, get exercise, and try hard to get enough sleep, all easier said than done, but at least a goal we can have in mind. Reaching out and staying connected it continues to be important. Hop on Zoom with family and friends, text loved ones, stay in touch, work hard to avoid isolation. And remember, if you're feeling like you need immediate help, text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 and get connected to someone who can guide you to the help you need. On to the next topic, rapper G Herbo. Herbo is starting an initiative to get young black men connected to therapy, and I sure as heck hope I uh, pronounce his name right, even though I know I didn't, so I'm not outed as a 38-year-old out-of-touch dude, which I am. According to Pitchfork, Swerving Through the Stress, Tools to Help Black Youth Navigate Mental Wellness, aims to provide mental health resources in underserved black communities and offers therapy sessions, a hotline, and more. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love to shout out 
about when people in popular culture are doing their work to fight against mental health stigma, and that's exactly what G. Herbo is doing here. At the time of the article in Pitchfork, the initiative has already linked 150 kids to therapy. And it's just so awesome uh, to help show kids that reaching out for mental health treatment is a strength, not a weakness. And he's actually giving them the means for getting connected, which is so important. Because one of the main reasons we don't actually get help is because it's hard to get connected. So heck yeah, G. Herbo. Keep up the good work. And if you want to check out what he's doing, go to swervinthroughstress.com. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to share a bit about Blessed Clara Isabella Fornari. In 1697 in Rome, Clara was close to God from the very beginning and entered the poor Clares at the age of just 15. After making her vows with the order, Clara began to have mystical experiences, including visions of Jesus, Mary, St. Clara of Assisi, who started that order that she joined, and St. Catherine of Siena. During one of her encounters with Christ, Clara shared that our Lord placed a ring on her finger and referred to her as his spouse of sorrow. From that point, Clara's life was anything but easy. She experienced the stigmata, was thrown down the stairs by the devil and had to fight against evil forces that were intent on destroying her faith. The devil worked overtime to attack her from an emotional angle as well. According to a March 2014 article on Catholic Stand from Anna Rose Meads, Quote, despite her nearness to God, Clara Isabella was tormented by despair and her physical pain. The devil taunted her relentlessly, making her wish to commit suicide and abandon her faith. This deep depression overwhelmed her completely. At times, she could not remember the beauty of her visions. Her joy returned right before her death. Another incredible holy person, suffering depression, despair, and hopelessness, yet found themselves deeply and mystically connected to Christ through that suffering. Blessed Clara Isabella Fernari is a wonderful intercessor, ready and waiting to help all of us who need relief and peace from our sorrow. May her example help us to always remember that we can hope in Jesus Christ, even in our darkest valleys. We like to close out this part of the pod, uh, this part of the podcast with a prayer. This one to Our Lady of Confidence, a devotion that Blessed Clara was strongly attracted to. O Mary Immaculate, the precious name of Mother of Confidence, with which we honor you, fills our hearts to overflowing with the sweetest consolation and moves us to hope for every blessing from you. If such a title has been given to you, it is a sure sign that no one has recourse to you in vain. Accept, therefore, with a mother's love our devout homage, homage as we earnestly beseech you to be gracious unto us in our every need. We pray that you will make us uh, live in constant union with you and your divine son, Jesus. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started. I was wondering if you have already done an episode or if you have any advice for someone with an addiction to pornography. I don't really know much about psychology and therapy. But I would assume that addiction has some connection to mental health. I would greatly appreciate any advice that you can give. Let's all toss up a prayer for Anonymous and for everyone walking through any addiction, but especially an addiction to pornography, that the Blessed Mother may intercede on their behalf. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's start with some information from a program called Prescott House. Studies show that pornography is a chemical addiction which activates the brain in a very similar way to street drugs. Realizing this truth can take a huge burden of shame off of the user and help them move forward. Like street drugs, pornography addictions can be overcome, but it takes a lot of work and a clear understanding of the science involved. Pornography taps into an intense mix of biological and chemical reactions that occur throughout the body during sexual activity. Sexual activity done as the result of viewing pornography causes an extreme high as well, which the brain and body come to associate with viewing porn. Consequently, the body and mind crave more and more pornography and regular intimate relationships can suffer. So I think it's important to focus on the addiction aspect of the situation and realize that once the brain connects with this behavior, it can be really difficult to break the cycle. Similar to drug addiction, it's hard to quit cold turkey, even though we'd like to. Instead, of an, instead an approach that recognizes the illness of addiction and the need for treatment is the best way forward. In terms of therapeutic techniques, uh, one can try at home to start moving in the right direction. Let's take a look at some tips from psychology today. First, work to personify the person in the pornography pictures or video they're not a sexual object or objects at all but are full human beings they are someone's daughter son mother father sibling and friend next as mentioned think of this addiction just like any other kind of addiction in terms of what one needs to do to work through it create an environment that makes engaging in pornography very difficult install appropriate computer filters to prevent pornography from getting on your computer or mobile device and keep desktop computers in public places finally ask yourself what do you really desire anyway does pornography give you what you really desire or is it more like eating cotton candy tastes good for a moment but is pretty empty and unsatisfying reflect on what you really want love acceptance being desired and then ask yourself what gives you consolation versus desolation jeremy is up next i take zoloft and xanax for anxiety and sometimes comments from other catholics make it seem like i'm weak or i don't push or i don't put enough trust in god anyone else feel that way Let's all join together to pray for Jeremy and everyone else who faces stigma for reaching out for their emotional and mental health experiences. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Anyone who listens to this podcast realizes that Jeremy's question is about to get me up on my soapbox, but I'll try my best to contain my thoughts here. First, to your question, sadly, a lot of us feel exactly the same way. The stigma toward mental health symptoms and treatment in our culture and our church is a disgusting problem that needs to be destroyed as soon as possible. I'd like to thank God for the fact that you have reached out for help and are getting the help you need to find peace and comfort, the peace and comfort that God so desperately desires you to have. And I want you to know that reaching out for help shows that you are strong, not weak. And I hope that the prayer we all joined in brings you comfort and moves God to work in the hearts of those who may treat you otherwise. Okay, so here I go. There is absolutely no one on earth who gives people a hard time or makes people feel weak 
for taking medication for diagnoses like high blood pressure, cancer, headaches, or any other physical health issue. No one ever sees someone with a cast on their arm and says, what's wrong? Couldn't suck it up and get over it without help? And yet, this is the prevailing attitude towards those getting help for mental health experiences. There are a couple reasons for this. First, people don't understand how debilitating mental health symptoms can be. They think, I've been sad or scared or worried and I didn't need medication. But they don't realize that major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, PTSD are not the same as being sad or scared that one time. Sometimes therapy can be helpful for these mental health experiences, but other times we need medication in addition to therapy because what's happening in our brain is a biological issue that can't simply be fixed by taking or talking to a therapist or pulling up our bootstraps. A person can't make neurotransmitters start linking up to receptors in their brain simply by concentrating really hard. It takes a medical treatment. And I will never stop, and I hope you join me in fighting to end mental health stigma until our culture and our church finally see that there's no difference in getting treatment for a broken arm and getting treatment for depression and anxiety. Hang in there, Jeremy. Courtney brings us on home. Can a child in utero pick up on feelings of the mother? I was 44 when I got pregnant with my son and had lots of fear and anxiety during the pregnancy that led me that left me feeling afraid to attach or get excited during the pregnancy. I was probably 30 weeks or so before I allowed myself to get excited. I often gazed in awe and gratitude at this sweet, healthy baby that God had given us. Just recently, he's eight now, I have noticed some anxiety symptoms in him and have taken him to a child therapist. He was having anxiety over all this COVID stuff. His mood was markedly better after our first session. However, I wonder, is there a possibility of poor attachment in utero or during my bout with severe anxiety and grief over the past year? This is a really great question, Courtney, and one that most of us parents have probably thought about at one time or another. So thank you for sending it in. Let's all pray for Courtney, her son, and everyone trying their best to raise their children in as healthy a manner as possible. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. So I want to get straight to your question, but also I, I want to start with a little disclaimer. Whatever happened during your pregnancy, I want you to hear that you were doing the best you could at the time with the information you had. Nothing that you did or felt or experienced is your fault. And while I know it's hard, you have to work hard to free yourself from the guilt that might pop up because you were trying your very best and that's all anyone could expect. ScienceDaily.com provides us with some direct answers to your question here. Quote, as a fetus grows, it's constantly getting messages from its mother. It's not just hearing her heartbeat and whatever music she might play to her belly. It also gets chemical signals through the placenta. A new study finds that this includes signals about the mother's mental state. So yes, our emotional experience might have an impact on our unborn babies. But again, I have to underscore that we should not feel like we're bad or irresponsible or that we did something wrong because we had an emotional experience 
experience that wasn't perfect when we were pregnant. We can't do that to ourselves then, just like we can't do it to ourselves now when our kids are born and developing and watching our every move and we experience emotional struggles. This is a normal part of life, and not only are kids resilient, but we should also try to reframe our difficult emotional experiences as opportunities to show our children how to walk through situations like this so they will have the tools for later in life to know it's okay to struggle, it's okay to cry, and it's okay to reach out for help. I think the biggest blessing here is that your son expressed a concern and you reached out for help for him. I think this is more about your parenting and about how great you're doing for him than any emotions you may have experienced while pregnant. It's clear to me that you're a wonderful mother and he's blessed to have you. And that blessing of your presence in his life will help him more than you could ever imagine. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations. If you'd like me to address them in the future, I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.